0: Welcome to the election ride home for Thursday, February 20th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Thanks to Jackson Bird for taking the host seat on Tuesday and Wednesday. Today, Warren scores the best moment of the evening, maybe, of all the debates in this election cycle, in an effective opening attack against Bloomberg, Most candidates besides Bloomberg do about their best in debate so far, recounting Bloomberg's very bad night and a couple of his good moments, and Andrew Yang weighed in on CNN in his new role as commentator. The Nevada caucuses are in two days, South Carolina holds its primary in nine days, Super Tuesday follows hard on its heels on March 3rd, and it's an ever shorter period until we hit the general election in 257 days, and here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. It was a remarkable sight last night. Billionaire Mike Bloomberg has spent approaching $400 million of his own money on his run for the Democratic nomination since November, culminating with a rise in the polls that earned him a place on stage for the ninth Democratic National Committee debate, alongside candidates who had all won at least one pledged delegate in the first two matchups on the nomination calendar, and then to watch Bloomberg being beaten like a piñata hung too low at a kid's party where they were already hopped up on gallons of Mr. Pibb and Mountain Dew. The metaphors flew fast and furious, but Sadie Doyle on Twitter summarized the large consensus quite aptly. She wrote, quote, Surprising to open the debate with Elizabeth Warren personally ripping Bloomberg's face off his skull like an angry bear, but I dig it, End quote. It's possible you have already heard Senator Warren's virtuosic performance the moment she got an opening early in the debate. She was invited to critique Senator Bernie Sanders and opted not to It was a carefully honed and practiced performance that had all the intensity and spontaneity of something she constructed on the spot. It was her best in any debate, possibly the best moment of any candidate in any debate so far this cycle. So we gotta hear it again.
1: I'd like to talk about who we're running against, a billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support who. Whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this, Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump.
0: Bloomberg looked One of those guys who has a very high pain threshold or lacks the wiring to experience pain, who charges people money to hit them. In circuses, they're known as blockheads and they hammer nails up their nose and so forth. He just stood there, didn't know what to do, didn't seem to expect it or know what was going on for the first half. If Warren were to go on and win the nomination and the presidency, pundits of the future will point to that minute of Bloomberg bashing as the moment that marked a turning point from her apparently also ran status on February 19th into the run up. But I think that's mistaken. As I've talked about in this podcast many times, media, without any conspiracy involved, constructs shorthand descriptions of people and narrative arcs that don't necessarily stand up to scrutiny. It's why we've been constantly surprised since 2015 at what's happening in political contests, because reporters and editors racing to keep on top of the massive amount of news out there continue to lean on outdated constructions that often ignore data and the reality on the ground. The best reporters push back, talk to a lot of people, look at what's being missed, and tell you why the conventional wisdom is wrong. Some people knew Biden was weak entering Iowa because they'd seen the poor crowds at his talks and studied the polling carefully. While he was generally expected to do well, only a few reporters and analysts had the goods to say, we saw this coming. So while I want to emphasize how remarkable that moment Warren had was, it will be blown and already has been blown out of proportion It ignores other aspects of her campaign and the rest of what she said in the debate. Nonetheless, it's also very careful strategy. She and her staff knew she had to perform at the top of her game of all time to break through the narrative of her as a failing candidate, as someone who has already lost even though the biggest stakes are yet to come. That moment allowed her to break through that, get enormous media play, and earn the equivalent of tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars of free advertising as the clip was played over and over again on audio and video media like broadcast and cable news. Minutes after it occurred, the clip was already on Twitter and circulating like mad. It's probably been seen a hundred million times already since last night. This was the moment, she seized it, she delivered it, she may have broken through. Her campaign emailed supporters this morning that they had broken a $7 million target set in the wake of New Hampshire and in advance of Nevada due to contributions during the debate or Bloomberg may be able to spend right through it. The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Plexiderm. Picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or those large under-eye bags? Now imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, Two minutes later, you start seeing the under eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes unclear, so no one will know you are using it unless you tell them. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm has a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com code VOICES. The Election Ride Home is also brought to you by Bill Press's new podcast. I wanted to give you the latest news about Bill Press. Bill no longer does his progressive morning show, but that doesn't mean he's gone away. No way! He's out now with a great new podcast, The Bill Press Pod, dropped twice a week. Check out The Bill Press Pod for Bill's interviews with some of the country's leading progressives, like Maxine Waters, Mark Pocan, and Jamie Raskin, all roasting Donald Trump. Plus, his lively end-of-the-week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters, commenting on the latest craziness from the White House, Congress, and the 2020 Democratic primary. For years, Bill Press has been one of the leading progressive voices in the country. He's still out there, on the left, stronger than ever. You can join him by subscribing to his new podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts, search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and you're in for a true progressive experience on the Bill Press Pod. All right, I had to open with that, but let's back up. The Democratic National Committee was highly criticized for changing the criteria between the eighth and ninth debates. It had already received some heat earlier in the process as the thresholds to participate seemed to exclude more candidates of color than white candidates. Senator Cory Booker was one who objected to the shaping of reduced numbers on stage. In the eighth debate, candidates still needed to have a large number of individual donors spread across states, and it was possible to buy those numbers as billionaire Tom Steyer did through excessive online spending to request small-dollar donations. And I think despite the criticism of requiring just polling thresholds to participate or to have won a delegate, it paid off for the DNC. Without that, Bloomberg would have escaped scrutiny. But they got him on stage, and candidates beat the stuffing out of him. On stage last night were six candidates total, all of them remaining viable in advance of Super Tuesday, and all of them except Bloomberg needing a story to tell out of Nevada where he's not competing. Along with Bloomberg, Sanders, and Warren, we saw former Vice President Joe Biden, former Mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, and Senator Amy Klobuchar. This was largely a pretty great night for everyone, but Bloomberg, each of them delivering among or the best performances on stage That they had so far. Bloomberg was the lightning rod and took a lot of heat and fire from other candidates, giving them a chance to breathe. It was the best debate this cycle in forcing candidates to deviate from scripts and talking points and respond directly on some key issues. There were some off-base attacks, but a lot of the issues addressed the hand-waving parts of candidates' agendas, promises, and experience. And there was some humor and camaraderie at times, even. Major issues that had time devoted to them included climate change, immigration, and health Let's go down each of the other folks on stage besides Bloomberg before we get back to him. Sanders had the opportunity to deliver many of his campaign talking points about economic fairness, equitable taxation, free college education, student debt relief, healthcare reform, and more. He faced relatively few attacks for a few reasons. As I said, Bloomberg took a lot of heat. The other candidates won him out of the race. Sanders and Warren have a clear contempt for him, but the moderates don't need him or his competition. Warren and Sanders remain collegial When Sanders responded to a question about how to fund his Medicare for All plan, he noted that Warren's was pretty similar, and he just went further. Warren mostly avoided needling Sanders. Buttigieg had some fire for Sanders, but he and Klobuchar seemed like they have the knives out for each other, because between them and Biden, there's only enough support for one moderate to survive. Sanders did face criticism for not releasing his full medical records. He's had a heart attack and two stents. Bloomberg also has two stents. Hey, I'm also a member of the Stent Club, I only have one. Sanders had promised to release those records, but has backed away and hasn't offered a plausible reason as to why. However, he's kept up a bruising campaign schedule after a short recovery period. A stent really is an amazing thing. I felt so much better after getting mine several years ago. By the way, Sanders' campaign had to walk back a remark his spokesperson, Brianna Joy Gray, made earlier in the day. She told CNN yesterday, quote, it's really telling giving none of the same concern is being demonstrated for Michael Bloomberg who is the same age as Bernie Sanders, who has suffered heart attacks in the past, end quote. Bloomberg's campaign quickly responded that the former mayor never had a heart attack. Stencer put in not just to respond to heart attacks, but to remove blockage before heart attacks occur. Former President George W. Bush had one put in for that reason in 2013. Gray then withdrew the claim and said she misspoke. The issue of so-called Bernie Bros came up on stage also. This is the label by those outside the Sanders campaign for aggressive supporters of the senator, largely male, who engage in vitriol, abuse, and harassment, often focused on women who express sometimes slight disagreements with Sanders' position or candidacy. Sanders reiterated and expanded on a point he made a few days ago after two female leaders of Nevada's powerful culinary union were attacked by Sanders' supporters. Quote, we have over 10.6 million people on Twitter, and 99.9% of them are decent human beings. Our working people are people who believe in justice, compassion, and love. And if there are a few people who make ugly remarks, who attack trade union leaders, I disown those people. They are not part of our movement. End quote. judge rebutted this position and concluded with an excellent millennial response. Quote, Look, people know the way your supporters treat them. End quote. Warren, however, was seen as the winner of the debate. She started with that extraordinary takedown of Bloomberg and kept up the body blows on him throughout, but she also managed to get some substantive responses out about her own policies and poke at other candidates. In one go, she knocked three of her fellows, quote, Mayor Buttigieg really has a slogan that was thought up by his consultants to paper over a thin version of a plan that would leave millions of people unable to afford their health care. It's not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note, quote, insert plan here, end quote. Bernie has started very much, has a good start, but instead of expanding and bringing in more people to help, instead his campaign relentlessly attacks everyone who asks a question or tries to fill in details about how to actually make this work. And then his own advisors say, eh, probably won't happen anyway, end quote. She also noted she's been a politician for the shortest period of anyone on stage. Warren's goal is to pull Sanders and moderate supporters to her as the best chance to get a progressive candidate elected who can also get her extremely detailed policies put into effect. Bloomberg and Sanders taking the hits left Biden largely alone, and he used it to some advantage. He was clearer in expressing his message and differentiating himself, but it does seem like he, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar dissolve into kind of a moderate blur in which they are fighting entirely about experience. A somewhat nasty spat emerged after Vanessa Hauck of Telemundo asked Klobuchar about not knowing the president of Mexico's name, that's Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, say that a few times fast, and Klobuchar tried to tack towards her policy experience. But Hock did not let her off the hook. She reminded Klobuchar that Klobuchar had said she didn't know the president's name. Klobuchar had a look down during the debate before stating that name. Not a great moment, but the name is obviously not as important as knowing his policies and the Mexican political landscape. This led to her and Buttigieg getting into it. Buttigieg said, quote, You're staking your candidacy on your Washington experience. You're on the committee that oversees border security. You're on the committee that does trade. You're literally in the part of the committee that's overseeing these things, end quote. Klobuchar responded, Are you trying to say that I'm dumb? Are you mocking me here, Pete? I said I made an error. People sometimes forget names, end quote. She defended her record and ridiculed Pete's political history. Warren leapt into the fray, defending Klobuchar. Biden piped up to note he was the only candidate who had met López Obrador. It all reminded the rest of America how Midwest nice sometimes has a bite to it when you get on the wrong side of things. Klobuchar was pressed on her time as a prosecutor, during which period a black teenager was convicted, on what reports now indicate involved little evidence, much of which has now been disputed or is seen as unreliable. She didn't have a great response prepared for this. Pundit said Klobuchar didn't match her previous debate excellence, which was a sustained performance in the eighth debate across the evening and led to record fundraising, a better New Hampshire finish, and a great run-up to Nevada. However, I think it was pretty fair. The moderates are all in unenviable positions of trying to define themselves. I started to feel like Buttigieg was on the verge of having a Marco Rubio moment in repeating a phrase against Sanders that never struck me as that resonant to begin with, but he seemed to avoid falling into that trap. He's used a variant of this before, He said last night, quote, if you're not with him, if you're not all the way on his side, then you must be for the status quo. Well, you know what? That is a picture that leaves most of the American people out, end quote. By the way, the order of candidates speaking time was Warren with 16 minutes, 36 seconds, Klobuchar with 1548, Sanders with 1518, dropping down to Buttigieg with 1404, Biden at 1325, and Bloomberg at 1314. Watching it live, it felt like Biden and Bloomberg barely spoke at all, while Buttigieg had a lot more time, even though it was quite close to theirs. Let me close this segment with this. Look, I, it's true that uh, I was into Bernie before it was cool. He was uh, a <laughs> congressman at the time. Bloomberg needs a separate rundown because this is the first time he's been forced to listen to other people against his will for decades, and the first time we've heard him speak to a national audience instead of a hand-picked one. He seemed astonishingly unprepared. He had no concise answers or even good answers to many issues. He failed to leap in to defend himself. He came off as patronizing and smug. Watching his facial expressions run through a huge gamut in a split screen as other candidates spoke against him made me wonder if he loses at poker all the time. I'm just going to list off the things he was attacked on and had weak responses to, sexist remarks he may have made, and the culture of sexism in his company. He said of lawsuits, quote, none of them accused me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like a joke I told. The audience was not happy with that. He refused to release people from non-disclosure settlements, stating they were consensually made. The audience actually booed. Stop and frisk. He again claimed he was responsible for inheriting the policy and reducing the frequency, ignoring the rise during his administration and the court case that led to the necessary reduction the failure to disclose his tax returns. He said he had thousands of pages and it took time and it was coming, but not till after Super Tuesday, and stated that he'd only entered the race in November, being a multi-billionaire. Sanders said, quote, I believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires, health for all, educational opportunities for all, creating a government that works for all, not just for Mr. Bloomberg, end quote. Bloomberg responded, quote, what a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? End quote. However, Bloomberg did have some positive messages he was able to get out. He's in favor of a wealth tax, just not Warren's. He implemented one in New York City, and he lives and pays tax there, one of the most heavily taxed places in the country. He spoke out forcefully for efforts to blunt climate change and said he'd rejoin the Paris Accord on his first day in office. He also had this great zinger late in the debate.
1: I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's <laughs> ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism and it just didn't work.
0: Bloomberg News, owned by Bloomberg and sitting out investigating his campaign or other candidates' campaigns during the election cycle, had a neat summary of the differences between Sanders and Bloomberg in an account written by Craig Gordon and Gregory Court. Quote, So far, Bloomberg is advancing a set of proposals set squarely in the Democratic mainstream on taxes, though no guarantee of a large middle-class tax cut, health care, immigration, and other issues. These are far from the sort of rallying cry issues put forth by Sanders, who is promising free health care and free college for all, paid for by tax hikes, mostly on the wealthy. This has made him popular among young voters, even though Sanders is 78 years old, the same age as Bloomberg." Former candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination, entrepreneur Andrew Yang, joined CNN as a commentator. His tweet before the ninth debate was this, quote, This is going to be the Mike Bloomberg debate. He's new and rising, end quote. Yang is off to a great start. However, he redeemed himself following the debate on CNN with this excellent analysis.
1: He was, I'm sure, getting coached and prepared. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to be in this debate. And so I don't think he was coached. Hard enough.
0: Number two, he was clearly
1: instructed to keep his cool no matter what, Mm -hmm. but that ended up presenting as being lethargic and uninterested for a big chunk of the debate. And the third most telling thing is that if I'm his team, you know he's going to get a stop and frisk question, like a, a gender discrimination or mistreatment question. So you coach him and you have him give you 60, 75 second answers over and over again until he can do it in his sleep. And the fact that he did not have those answers at his fingertips lets me know categorically he was not properly prepared for this debate.
0: Bloomberg's team insists he was coached. And that's the election roundup for today. I am your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash home. I am also on Twitter at Glenn F. That's G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank. I'll be back tomorrow with the latest summary of election news. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant Thursday.